two weeks ago, um, we looked over a message in Hebrews 13. And we're going back to Hebrews 13 again. Um, This time, if you look at your outline in your bulletin, you'll see it's not keys to godly church leadership, but keys to godly church fellowship, followership. And that's not a spelling uh, poo-foo there. Uh, We are really going to be talking about keys to godly church followership. And I realize this is an awkward one for me. Um, So, but we're going to go for it. Uh, So what comes to your mind? Think about this. What comes to your mind when words like this come up? Submission. Authority. Okay? Uh, You know, we've learned our history, hopefully well, in that uh, America got started by way of a what? A rebellion. And the motto was, don't, what? Don't tread on me. So, um, we've also got another heritage for many of us here. Not necessarily everyone, but many of us have um, a heritage of uh, growing up in a Baptist church. Uh, Nothing wrong with that at all. But, there's a tendency for Baptist churches to have a similar uh, kind of a, a motto, don't tread on me. <laughs> it's okay to laugh there. I think. <laughs> you know, it, there's just something that goes on, uh, especially, you know, in the mid-1900s, where the Baptist church, churches had had such a uh, an understanding of things that and th- it was like they were they had to be brought up as fighters and uh you know we still ha- we still deal with some of that in our day and age here in 2010 you know in our community we understand this this concept in our community um, we like our freedom don't we? We like our freedom. And, uh, and that's a good thing. But it, it's, I, I must admit, it's rather awkward to tackle this topic because it's about your responsibilities. Okay? As being in the church. And so... Um, we will dabble some in, in uh, dealing with the leaders here this morning. But I'd like for you to take your Bible, turn to Hebrews 13 if you're not already there. And we will get started on this. Keys to godly church followership. It's about your duties. I'd like to read at Hebrews 13 verse 15. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. 
Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a good conscience desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. Let's pray together. Lord, we just briefly ask right now that you would, by your spirit, guide us in this time. Thank you for your word, the whole counsel of your word. Lord, I pray that you would uh, guide us in our time. And please help me, Lord, as I speak. May we have attentive hearts. May we have hungry hearts for your word and your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, as we get started, notice that the exhortation uh, that our passage comes out of in verse 17, the exhortation comes forth from verse 15. Here's a a sacrifice, as we say, uh, of praise unto God. And so what I'd like to do is is, um, just let you know, here's here's our outline. There's three main points. And really there's... um, we say there's keys to godly church followership. And what I'm doing here this morning is giving you really two. The first one is, is kind of a, a basic panorama view of where we ought to be. Okay? So, here's, here's our first, first point uh, in this is seeing God's design. Seeing God's design. Okay? Now... When I ask you about what do you think when you, you think about authority or what do you think about when you think submission, you know, different things come to mind. And here in, in verse 17 of Hebrews 13, it starts with this, these two phrases, these two verbs, obey your leaders and submit to them. Okay? And we want to understand the bigger picture, okay, to get started. And letter A is, it's the principle of authority. The principle of authority is, is there. It's from God, right? And it's not just in the church. We, we look at the big picture and what did God do when, when he, he uh, brought his people, Israel, together? He gave them the Ten Commandments to live by. Okay, Right there, there's authority that they're dealing with. And the issue with the Ten Commandments, we, we need to remember this. Everyone needs to remember the Ten Commandments were given so that the people would realize, yes, here's the guidelines, but here's what I cannot accomplish. I cannot do this. And thus I need a what? I need a Savior. And in the Old Testament times, all it was was here are these repetitive sacrifices over and over and over again. To get me right with God. Until the perfect sacrifice came. Jesus Christ. Okay. Well. Not only there. But God instituted government. For all nations. Romans chapter 13. Write it down. Romans 13 verses 1 and 2. And it's. And it's a good thing. All right. He also has. Um put into you know action here's the the government if you will of a family so 
it, it, here's now the, the grassroots of it all. It really is designed to be developed and, and practiced within a family. You're saying, wait a minute, my concept of authority is, you know, boom, thus, you know, here's the, the big hammer coming down on, here's what's going to happen, and this is how it's going to fly. And many of you, being in the military, and or having been in the military, you understand there, there's a concept of authority and submission that I have there. And then I read this verse, obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, how does that mix into all this? <laughs> it's, it's a part of the, 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 the whole fabric of what God brought about. In all of society, in your family, at your workplace, in the government, local government and state government and national. Okay? And so, here... You know, it, it's important that we understand how this starts developing like in the family. Fathers, you know, how, are, how have you led and how are you leading? Okay, and that's, that's important because our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, all, they start seeing it from where? From you and me. And they, you know... They see it out in the world, in, in, the, in the community, in the state, in the government. Okay? But it goes from being, here's the principle of authority that we see it everywhere, to the letter B, the purpose of authority, and that's for man's good, to protect and bless man. And it's for God's glory. Okay? And so the idea is that you and I obey and submit. And ultimately, the purpose of authority is that you and I, listen, this is very important that we get this. When the Bible says about church leadership, it says obey your leaders and submit to them. It's for the ultimate idea that I would see and that you would see God's sovereign control in your life. God's sovereign control, no matter what's going on. Through the difficulties, through the good times, God, do you see God's sovereign hand at work? And I have to say, you know, all sorts of times and situations in my past, I've responded like, I don't see His hand of control. And so what do I do? What do you do when you don't see God's sovereign hand at work, you and I, we grumble or we get depressed or all sorts of reactions to it, to the situations, to the circumstances. Okay? And so it's important that we understand here's the the bigger picture. The principle of authority is there at all sorts of levels of society. And it's funny that in a lot of churches, I'm not necessarily picking on Parkside here, but in many churches, it's like, don't give me this stuff here. Don't, don't talk about this. Because, you know, they, they just don't like that. And just like so many, you know, it's our stubbornness that starts popping up. 
and surfacing. Okay? So, it's important that we understand what God's getting at here. And, and then to understand it, we need to look at other passages of Scripture to say what kind of leadership are we supposed to submit to? <laughs> the kind of leadership, this kind of leadership that we're going to be looking at is not dictatorial. It's not, you know, in such a rigid way. But it's, the, it's after the kind that Christ taught us. Remember what he taught about leadership? Turn to Mark chapter 10. Turn to Mark chapter 10. Verse 42. Actually, it started in this whole thing got started when in verse 35 when James and John came to him and saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Set up. <laughs> Jesus knew what was going on. He wasn't fooled. And yet they were asking that, that they get positions of, um, well, that they have these positions at his right and left hand in, in the kingdom. Pretty bold uh, request. And Jesus said, you know, in verse 40, he said, to sit on my right hand or on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And hearing this, the ten the other ten disciples began to feel indignant with James and John and calling them to himself, Jesus said this, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentile, what? Lord it over them. And their great men, of exercise, uh, their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many okay turn over to john chapter 21 john chapter 21 here the the risen and resurrected christ is talking to simon peter john 21 starting at verse 15 So Simon, I'm sorry, so when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And we could go on a little trail right now talking about the, the whole idea of what, here's another uh, description of you. As a people, you are sheep. You're sheep. And obviously, Psalm 23, one of the most famous passages, also John chapter 10, very famous passage about sheep and a shepherd. And we need to 
realize we need a shepherd. And here in John 21, Jesus is saying to Simon Peter, tend my sheep, be a shepherd to my people. Now go back uh, to, well, we'll go to 1 Peter. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Let's see what he says here about it. Peter himself, writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says in 1 Peter 5, verse 1, Therefore, I exhort the elders, the leaders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be, what? Examples to your flock. Okay? So it's important that we all understand this design, that we see God's design for what? Authority. Authority and submission. Okay? Now, your response to authority, very important here. Your response to authority reveals your attitude towards God's control in your life. And that's at any level, any level of society. Okay? Traveling about two years ago with Dan and Deb Clifford up to Oregon. Late at night. No one around. I'm driving. And all of a sudden, there come the lights. And uh, I got pulled over. And that was my last ticket, by the way. I think. (laughs) It was my last driving ticket. I got a parking ticket in San Francisco. I claim ignorance there. Being in San Francisco, uh, never mind. I've now really stepped into it here. Um, but, you know, whenever, it, you know, here I, I get stopped for speeding. The best thing to do is say, what? You're right, officer. I was speeding. Goes a lot quicker getting that, you know, getting a little ticket and then moving on. You know, and yeah, I'm ashamed for, you know, admitting it. But see, here's the thing. Your attitude towards any authority in the big picture reveals your concern or your attitude about God's control. God's put authority in our lives for our good. And here we're talking about the church. I can't spend a whole lot of time talking about other uh, levels of society that have authority figures or whatever, but we need to move on. So here's the second point, and here's the key. One of the keys is submitting to God's leaders. Point number two, submitting to God's leaders. And we go back to Hebrews 13, where it's just clearly saying, obey your leaders and submit to them. So it's your duty. It's your responsibility. 
And we need to remember it's the Lord that places leaders in positions of authority. But what is it that's meant here by obeying and submitting? And this is, again, this is not an unusual command. It's not unusual. It's simply, here's this explanation. Obey is the action. Obey. And it's not about so much, um, you know, you better be here for this meeting. You know, and, and here the church leadership is saying, okay, you better be here for this meeting. It's not so much that as it is your walk with the Lord. Your life as saying you're a Christian. And so how are you doing in that walk with the Lord? Is it just merely a statement of your brain acknowledging these facts are true, but not having it change your behavior? And so those are the concerns. That's what we want to get about obeying. And then he says, and then it says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Okay, well, what's this getting at? Why does he throw that extra one in? Well, here's the, I believe it's the idea of, here's the attitude in which you do it. We all see the little child um, that we're trying to, you know, tell him or her to do something. Here's a family illustration. You know, I'm trying to tell little Sam or you know, Heidi or Carrie or Sarah, when they're little, sit there, do this. And if they, they can sit down, but what? If they're not doing it in their heart, are they really obeying? Obey and submitting, they go hand in hand. And it's, it's important that we help develop that in our children and in our understanding here as a church. By the way, isn't it at the church level that it ought to be, we ought to be the model for society and where the church is complimenting the mom and dad who are trying to train their children to grow up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so this is the kind of thinking we have about obey, obeying. It's the idea of being persuaded and going along with the directives and commands that have been given in the word. Okay. And just doing this out of a spirit of cooperation. Now, this is not a call for blind obedience. Uh, we, I, probably everyone just about in here could come up with an example, an illustration of blind obedience to power-hungry leaders. Okay? And it, it, you know, it's one of those things again where we put that in the category of saying, well... There's a there's a burn notice. People getting burned in that church. So it does not either. On the other hand, nor does it call for stubborn obedience. Okay, it's again looking at the bigger picture. I want to respond to God. And whatsoever you do, do it hardly as unto the Lord. Okay? Well, then it's not only your duty to be submitting to God's leaders, it's your advantage, as verse 17 continues on with. And it tells us why. It gives us two reasons why. In verse 17, it says, For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. 
let look at these words here now. Follow along. Let them do this with joy, not with grief. For this would be unprofitable for them. Right? If you're watching in your word, you're seeing, no, that's not right. This would be profitable. Uh, this would be unprofitable for you. He puts it back to you as followers, as sheep. So there's a concern there for your benefit, your advantage. Okay? So there's this issue of shepherding. They watch out, and they, it, there's it's, it's the idea of guardian. They watch out for your souls as, as those who will give an account. It's, it's good to be able to say that for the most part, here at Parkside, you know, there's a, there seems to be, as far as we as elders can see, there seems to be good health in your lives. Not perfect, needing to keep growing, needing to keep moving towards Christ-likeness. But it's not like there's all sorts of, you know, internal explosions happening all over the place. There have been some, you know, there have been a number that we've had to deal with in, in regards to trying to watch over the souls of, of those that we are leading. If you take Dale Young aside, when Bill Christoph, Bill is traveling today, so Bill's not here, but if you take those men aside, you know, they'll, they're not going to share the details, but they'll share, oh yeah, you know, this, there's a lot going on that really can grieve our hearts. And what is that getting at again? Is it your every time the building's open, you need to be here. And when you're not, our hearts are grieved. That's not the issue. That's not the primary issue. The primary issue is with you and your sanctification. And your choosing to follow Christ. You're choosing, and that's daily choices that are made. Daily choices. How you speak to someone. How you think about something. And how you respond to all that's going on. And so that's where we're concerned. That's where we want to be faithful shepherds in watching over the flock. Okay? It can be made a joy or a grief. I can say in 15 years, it's been a joy. And that's not a lot of, that's a little slice in the pie. But overall, it's been a joy. And God's grace has to carry us. God's grace is the key. Not slick, polished programs or whatever. But God's grace. God's spirit leading us. You responding to God's calling in your life. You responding in obedience to what God's saying through times of preaching, through Sunday school times, through Bible studies, and simply responding in trust and obedience. 
if you're somewhat new here, I don't want at all to come across like, you know, you, you got to really climb this ladder, man, and, and you got to, you know, arrive. You know, if we, no one has arrived, we're all wanting to keep close to the shepherd, the chief shepherd in your life today, tomorrow, and on, on it goes. Okay. So I'll tell you, um, ah, time is flying. Okay. Um, just mark it down in your notes. Numbers chapter 16. You want to see a situation that caused grief? Study Numbers 16. Moses was responding to God and ended up having to stone someone that went out of the area on the Sabbath. And chapter 16 starts with, and Korah and his sons stood up before Moses and said, who do you think you are? Basically, not word for word there, but basically confronting Moses in his leadership. And it was a sad day for the nation of Israel when that happened. And the, the reasons behind it, you know, were like, well, you know, God's with all his people. That sounds right, doesn't it? But when Korah undermined the God's man in leadership, that gets, dang, that gets on dangerous territory for you. And so we've got to watch and think through, okay, you know, why, let's bring it to personal situation right here at Parkside. Why would there be the, the need for removing me from preaching? That can happen. That could happen. God forbid, but that can happen. That can happen at any church. And how should it be done? How do you go about doing it? That's the key. And in all too many churches, it's just, well, we're not going to say anything and let's go. And on goes the, you know, the church hopping thing, you know, where we don't deal with, here's the problem. And so it's important that, you know, it's done according to what God says in his word, you know, of approaching the elders, talking to the elders. Um, if you have a, and that is important to mention here, if you have a problem with another brother or sister in the congregation, you need to go to what? The elders? No, go to them. You go to them and talk to them. Matthew chapter 18. Yet we don't do that a lot because we don't like the whole thing of authority and, and submission and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's like it's so much easier just go to the next church down the road and we'll skip it. And I realize it's a, it's a very difficult thing. But the more that you are responding to life situations in obedience to what you read, you're reading and you're learning in God's word the more we're going to honor God with that. Um, 
another couple of verses to just jot down in regards to this being an advantage for you and the response of joy or grief. Well, the scriptures speak a lot about here's the, the response of joy. Third John chapter, or, I'm sorry, third John verse four. I'm going to read this to you. Third John verse four says, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. Okay. So, it's a matter of submitting to God's leaders. There's, I'm sure, many other issues that could be covered here, but I want to touch on this third point. In your outline, it's verse 18. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 18. He goes on to say, Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a good conscience, desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things so number three is supporting god's work in his leaders supporting god's work in his leaders it's through primarily in this text prayer i appreciate so much you know when people would come to our family and say we're praying for you we are praying for you um and just as uh coveted is when I hear that people are praying for the elders. Notice in verse 17 what it says. I didn't cover this. It says, obey your leader or obey your leaders. For he, no, they watch over your... So it's important that we understand that little, that little uh, extra point there. Obey your leaders, plural. And pray for them which is not necessarily so much a responsibility as it is really a privilege to have prayer that we can pray to God, okay? But one of the best ways to encourage your elders is to be praying for them. And I believe that you are praying for the elders. So this is not to say, hey, come on, get with it here and pray more. Not at all. But you know what it shows? It shows where your hearts are for not just the, it's, it's about the ministry here. But that's, here it comes right down to the, the lap of the elders. Be praying for the elders that they would have God's wisdom in dealing with things, in dealing with people. And very quickly, it's letter A for their good conscience. This theme pops up all over the New Testament. It's, exemplified or illustrated in the old testament but it's it's highlighted and specified more in the new testament paul is so concerned about having a good conscience before god and before men and what's that all about what's a good conscience about you know it's it's knowing that in your in your heart let's say that you're right with god not perfect but you're here your, your practice is, is in such a way that it's going in the right direction and there's nothing that really anyone can throw blame on you. If there is, then you want to make that right as a leader, as an elder. You want to make that right and move on. But having a good conscience, another way to say it is a, a clear conscience. Okay, So pray for that, for the elders. Paul said it in Acts 24 he said i do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience before god and before men 
That was the, the goal of the teaching that Paul wrote to Timothy about, to have a good conscience. Then letter B, for their good conduct. And that just comes out to being, you know, having good behavior before all, an honorable way before all. Okay? So supporting God's work in, in his leaders is, in this text, it's about prayer. And you know, most of you know the great illustration from Exodus chapter 17 where they went in, the Israelites went into battle with the Amalekites and they had to pull in a big rock and uh, put Moses right down there and sat him down because when he did this, they succeeded. And when his arms failed, the Amalekites started winning over. So they brought the big the big rock in. He sat down on it. He held his arms up. And they, they held his arms up. And there's victory over the Amalekites. Well, we've kind of blasted through a lot of these things here. But I want you to come down to this. Here's some points to ponder and points to practice as we close this. Okay? One of the things I want to speak about right now, very shortly in conclusion, is this. That you and I prepare better for church. And that means thinking ahead. Not just saying, oh, it's 10 o'clock. Come on, honey, let's go. (laughs) And all of a sudden it's, you know, get things together and, and rush off to 1015 church service at Parkside. But that you prepare for it more. A lot of times, you know, I, I know that I've got a couple of appointments this week, this coming week, and I need, I better be ready for that. Um, Tuesday morning, we head to San Francisco. I can't wake up and just kind of, oh, what are we doing today, honey? I need to be ready for that, and I need to be on the go, packed and ready, right? Other, appointments that I have with people, individual people. I can't just say, hey, good to see you. You know, what What are you here for? <laughs> I need to know. Be prepared. And do we do that with God? And I want to encourage you to obey this and prepare yourself for church. For worship is the better way to say it. Prepare yourself to receive the Word of God. Be in prayer about that. Ask God to have, help you with a hungry heart. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Okay? Another way to prepare for church is be talking about it in the, in the middle of the week. And when is the last time you tried to invite a friend? Okay? Invite someone. Talk about it with your neighbors. Encourage them to come to church with you. It'll be a great opportunity for you to, you know, turn and talk to them later on, maybe in the, later in the day, later in the week, about what did that guy say? <laughs> or what, you know, you, you, and I've had this said to me by other people. Your congregation is so friendly. They're so loving and kind. And we praise God for that. We don't say, hey... We got it together. No, we say thank you, God, for helping us to be a loving, kind congregation. Let's keep it up. Okay? And that's why we emphasize Vacation Bible School here this morning. It's, it's an important outreach into our community. Be a part of it. 
just come. Be a part of it with the adult class. Be a part of it by continuing to pray. Then I, we mentioned this already. Pray for wisdom for the elders in our predicament. We have a predicament. And that is, we've got to restore our, well, we believe we should restore our membership. How do we go about doing that? Well, we want to encourage folks to you know, respond when we put out the agreement to fellowship papers. That's not going to happen quite yet, but it will in the future. And, you know, and then our doctrinal statement. We've got a doctrinal statement that we believe is sound doctrine. However, I've got concerns about it, and that is this. We've got a lot of secondary issues in our doctrinal statement. And people look at it and they say, why should I sign on when I don't quite agree with these secondary issues? They agree with the primary issues, and that's what we need to discern about our doctrinal statement. Primary issues, salvation issues, when you agree to that, hey, you're a member of Parkside Bible Fellowship. But secondary issues that don't really matter with being saved or not saved, but there are other issues that are in that doctrinal statement. How do we go about dealing with that? Well, we can't change that until we have a membership. <laughs> and we need, a, we need a 90%, you know, kind of vote, you know, when we make any kind of changes to the doctrinal statement. Okay? All right. We'll deal with that as we go along. We're not going to have a business meeting here now. <laughs> Um, also just please, please, please commit to making an impact, commit to making an impact. We talked about that two weeks ago, interceding, interceding for your lost friends, ministering, ministering and serving, pray, 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 serve, serve, serve. That's interceding and ministering. Then proclaiming and adorning the truth, the gospel truth in compassion and in truth. That spells out impact, having an impact in our community. Um, I'm going to just do this, and then we'll, we'll, we've got to close here. I, I think this is a helpful reminder. Okay? Some of you young people might recognize what I'm pulling out here. Do you know what it is? The what? The wanna tug-of-war rope. This is a sacred object. <laughs> but there's a problem with the Iwana tug-of-war rope. The Iwana tug-of-war rope is connected. And so the idea of the tug-of-war is that you get kids on here, on the circle, and you start what? You start pulling, and you start pulling. And all you're doing is trying to win for your own team. And it's just a, it's a nasty game. And there's really only one winner. Um, so if we get a, a circle of people on this and start pulling, you know, it's just the strongest one that's going to win. <laughs> you know? And too many churches are doing this. Too many churches are doing this. They get their hands on the rope and they start pulling in their own way. And I know that many of you have experienced that yourself. You've had your hands on the rope and you're, 
you're kind of pulling with your, your buddy on the board and you're pulling and pulling. And you got other guys that are believers on the other side of the rope and they're not pulling as hard. And you're getting what? You're getting your way. <laughs> what I want to finish with is this. We've got to figure out how to take that and start pulling together, right? We've got to pull together. And we've got to pull together to move forward for Christ. So, please, please, just, just take your bulletin and commit to what's that little section on the bulletin to say what's really most important, what matters the most. And start memorizing that. And start getting a grip on the gospel. That's what matters. So that you can be effective in this community for Christ and His glory. Not for Parkside and its reputation, which is important, but that's not the priority. It's about Christ and His gospel, that you know it, and that you are doing your best to say, I just want to be a faithful steward to share this message of salvation with you, my friend. And do it out of love. Okay. Um, next week we're going to be talking about our our freedom in Christ and our freedom in this country on July 4th. I hope you can join us. Um, we'll we'll try to sing some patriotic kind of songs. Also, we haven't done that in a long time. I plan to join us, and then um, we'll continue talking about this issue about our church, our our concern for Parkside and the emphasis that we need to make. And then, you know, the idea, the whole thing with our, our doctrinal statement and our membership as that goes. We'll, please be praying about that for us, okay? All right. Um, please stand with me in closing in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I pray that we would all understand uh, behind every authority is your sovereign control. And God, I, I know that there's a lot of issues that we really didn't cover. Sincere, significant questions that come up in our minds about this issue or that and, that are related to leadership and following. And Lord, we want to be a people that are very sensitive to your voice. You said that your sheep hear your voice and follow. Please help us to be those kind of sheep, Lord. Thank you again for our time. And God, please be glorified in our lives and in our choices all through the day. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen.